You're on OU Live. My name is Rabbi David Pardo. Tonight's episode, we're here, we're talking about social media. So many of us spend so much time on it. And God knows there's a lot of bad things uh, with social media. Uh, those don't need to be underscored. They, uh, social media makes us feel like we're connected and in some ways isolates us more. It can be a, a real time sink. Uh, but I want to talk tonight about the ways in which social media can be used for good. We all know we're spending a lot of this time in lockdown online. And in many ways, that's a real gift because if this happened 20 years ago, that ability to be online and our connectedness and our ability to communicate, talk with each other, to uh, work, play, uh, stay in touch with family, all that would be uh, very, very limited, be really taxed. So we owe a lot to social media. And I want to talk tonight about ways in which social media um, can be really used as a force for good. So I'd like to welcome our first guest is Mayor Kay. Mayor Kay is a an influencer. He's a, uh, a storyteller, a maker of videos. He's uh, really built his brand around uh, positive influence and bringing joy and cheer to people. You should really check out his work. I'd like to introduce Mayor Kay. Hey, what is up, Rabbi David? Mayor here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Mayor. This is like uh, this is this is so fun. I haven't seen you in a very long time. Um, I'm trying to catch up with you. Uh, yeah, here we are, was. and I actually could see you. I'm so glad, like you know, we're doing this over over Zoom. It's like able to like actually experience you, and it feels like you're right here in the room with me. There's a lot more energy with the video, right? Oh, 100. And I'm a I'm a podcast guy, like you know, Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan. I, I would never watch them, but now I'm thinking like maybe I should. Maybe there's oh my energy. gosh, it brings a whole other element when I do when I, I I have my own podcast as well, the Great Day Podcast, shameless plug, and um, I I film them as well because. Uh, I, I watch Joe and a bunch of other podcasts and there's something, in, there's an element when I can, I like to watch them because like you said, there's a certain energy that comes through that you can't get through just audio. Right. And I mean, Joe really inspires me to work out more. So that, that's the other piece. Which by the way, for those who are listening after you're watching, but my gosh. <laughs> for those of you who are not watching, just so you know, you're missing out. <laughs> just putting it on the energy, putting it out there. The, the gun show. Um, so uh, I'll let you know how my audition for Fado Four goes. Um, after that, hey, though, you know what? I don't know if it's if it's a sphere beard or if it's a quarantine beard. I, I just I don't ask any questions anymore. I'm like I'm I'm a beard nation. You're distracting me, but the the truth is, when this started, when the quarantine stuff started, I told my wife that I'm gonna gain a lot of weight. I just there's no reason for me putting it out there. I, I was just like there's no reason for me to, to Dave, like watch it, got it anymore. So, it got so bad. I'm sorry I cut you off because I'm 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 on this whole 30 diet now. It's no sugar, no gluten. No. Oh yeah, my sister's on that. Is she? Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Wow, is yeah. she like we? Wait, she, is whole yeah. 30 and FODMAP the same thing? You know, I'm new. I don't think so. I, I'm I sorry. Yeah, but hey, strength to all because it's not easy. And I, it came to a point. The reason why I jumped on this whole thirty dies because quarantine. Talking about you telling your wife I got to gain weight. First two weeks, I was I got so crazy and so like cabin fever. I was baking cakes, man. I was literally just baking Duncan Hines two a day, eating them. Next day, repeat. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Besides the gain, the weight I was gaining, I was just like the sugar levels was messing with my mood. I was like, oh yeah, no, that's the thing about sugar really gets into your head, and then you know, the up and then the down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you want to just keep on like you know, I had I had a cycle where there was a kick in the oven twenty four seven. There was no, yeah, it was it was sad. Um, but I'm putting it out there, and there's no shame now because. But you're past like, that, and there's there's no shame in this spot. By the way, you can keep plugging. There's no shame. That's what this place is for. It's for oh, plugging, things, for talking about the diet. Like, oh, like for the Great Day podcast. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> so I, I wanted to yeah, ask talk you, to me. You, you really carved out a space. And a lot of people kind of in this new world, and I don't even mean the COVID world, but the COVID world has kind of compounded it. But I, I just mean, uh, I think we're up to web 2.0, but there was a talk about 3.0. I, whatever, it doesn't matter. The, the social media, you've really carved out a space as an influencer. But a lot of people influence and they're, they're like selling something. They're, they're, they're really good at putting on makeup or they're really good at, uh, you know, like they have a, you, you've managed to create a brand around positivity around just <laughs> like being excellent and being kind and being giving and you've made viral videos you I, you're over five million views now on youtube five million yeah almost a billion person. views on all platforms sorry almost a billion views on all platforms that's it's a crazy. lot of views crazy yeah it's a lot of views a lot of people a lot of people thank god and like Barbara you haven't Shen. pranked a single person 
Yeah, I know. And that was a conscious decision earlier on. I had the opportunity um, to join these group of YouTubers. Once I start, once I, after my second battle of video, they reached out to me. Hey, Mayor, want to join the gang? We do. You love your stuff. Gets lots of hits. All you got to do is like, just laugh at people, not with them, or just do this prank and change your thumbnail to be a bit more provocative. And um, it was, I, I can't say right away I said no to it. It sounded very tempting because A, the publicity, the money, the whole the cool guys, the YouTubers at the time. Uh, but then after like just you know, a day or two, just taking the time, I was like, wait a second, do I want to you know, get this fast road to success, but it doesn't not align with my values? So I said, thank you, but no thank you. And yeah, just went down this road of just trying to spread positive, use this platform and my passion, which is creation of videos and acting and performance to make the world a bit better. That, that's incredible. I mean, yeah. How, how do you do so that's how you decided not to be a jerk but how did you decide I mean, <laughs> right how but do you transition also, you know you're gonna be a doctor a lawyer or a, a guy with a billion views you know that wasn't one of the options that your mother provided you it wasn't even an option when like a, like a year into when i was doing it. it wasn't even a thing you know i was like my parents were the mom was nervous you know it's like it wasn't as if i was making a living off it the first two years people besides my close i mean okay a couple of videos went viral but it didn't you know, it didn't bring any, any, a Parnassa, B, any stability within my life. I was still just jumping around doing my thing. So it only was more reason to concern for concern for my, my parents and grandparents. But um, just before I jump into why the proactive, why and what got me into it, it is so easy. And especially this day when the influencer, it's a hard word to, I don't like using that word so much, but it's, it's really a thing now and how people uh, use it to, you know, promote and all all great for them, you know, makeup and whatnot. It's hard to say no. Even now, like I get, I get reached out. It may not be for makeup, but maybe for let's say beer products or other random types of things. Which you know, I'll get a, you know. Why would you do a beer product? That's actually furthering Hashem's mission of like for us to bring beards back into the world. Because I'm making my own beer product, Mr. Hashem. So you know, that's a, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> there we go. But I just use that as an example. But I like the way you think. I like everything. Maybe you'll be influenced my beer. Talk, it's a Yiddish thing to have a beard. It's not. It's not a distraction for the, oh from the mission. Oh, 100 percent. I was born born with one. I was born with a beard and no teeth. <laughs> born um but long long story short it's hard because you know it's you sit you tell yourself you know what i'll get i'll take on this one gig i'll just promote this one item next item and before you know it your your brand has got worn watered down to just you becoming an advertiser so to speak so it, it you have i felt like i needed to like go through that and even now it gets a little tempting but it's like wait a second what's the purpose here you know i believe passion will lead to parnassa will lead to carve out your space or community i try not to sell out or i feel like i haven't sold out and just continue on the path of uh, which the brand is Kilo, which is positivity, spreading smiles, spreading mean, meaningful content. And um, the, re the reason for that is, is because it's just the way I was brought up. You know, I was brought up in a, in a society, in a community, in, in a way of thinking and being uh, real Chabad. And we're all about, you know, outreach, all about Zabir. Yes, Dave. Um, and so like, we're always an open home, always about Avzisral, always about, you know, taking people's face value. And um, growing up in a, in, a, in a Chabad house, which was also in like suburbia, so I was like, grew up in New Haven, so we had TV, I watched movies, I loved them, I, lo I read books, I grew up in, you know, more in a, in a day school, there wasn't a creator here, so I grew up in a, in a day school, so it was, it was a mix between Judaic and secular studies, so all that chunk coming together sort of produced me with my pulse on, you know, in the Jewish world, my pulse on the secular world, and yeah, just diversifying, just like, and, and be able to pull from all things and, and bring that through my artwork and be inspired by all types of thought leaders, creators, um, and, and try to make, and then and try to find my own voice within that, but always stemming from a place of bringing people together and not pushing them away. And I'll add, I don't know if this was conscientious or not, but Chabad actually is one of the few kind of corners of the, of the film world that really believes in the Shava Mrs. Benach and about communicating them to the world. Like really yes. one of the yeah. only, venues for talking about Shabbat Mitzvah and you've done a, a really fabulous job of, of keeping your message universal. And yes, it's like totally I, digestible by everybody. That, yeah, that was a conscious decision. And um, it's before I actually got into the videos, I did my shluchas and smicha in Singapore. And for the two years that I was there, it happens to be, you just brought up Shabbat I actually gave a class for two years there um, on Shabbos afternoon to a group of between 15 to 30 uh, local Singaporeans who were not Jewish, 
Uh, but they would come in and I'd give them a class on Shemitah Vidneach. We'd talk about Kabbalah. We'd talk about stuff. But um, did, did you provide Kugel? Oh, Kugel. So no, we, I was in Singapore. So we had, we had, and, and Svarty as well. So I didn't have Kugel for two years. But um, we know it was, it was. It was every day. No Bezach, but every day. Oh my gosh, seriously, man. On news and you know, it was, it was, it was a cultural shock at first. Um, but I did, I did develop a taste for t- uh, spicy foods and oh, just beautiful, fantastic, joyous people full of passion. When they're happy, it's joyous. When they're angry, it's passionate. But everything's, there's an aliveness in everything that Spartan do. And I, I learned so much from that. It's, it's awesome. There's no, there's no, nothing that's passive. It's, it's something, it's there. Uh, and all so, the way. You know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm half. Yeah, yeah. Right half. Yeah, I'll tell you. Right. I'll tell you something crazy. Actually, I, I've I've uh, I've one son. Ben Poratius. I've been for the Aliyain, and he um he's he's one and change. He's like 15 months. And uh, I made myself eggs today. And I since Pesach I've lost all my hot sauces. And I put ghost pepper chili flakes. That's very serious. I think I could kill intense. somebody. I but I thank God I've like worked myself up. Anyway, I, I look this way. I turned back and he stuck his hand in and he put in his mouth and I started crying because my I just thought about of my wife killing me and she found out it's all I could think about was like I'm dead I'm gone and the kid was fine wow wow well he made me so happy yeah you should be very proud that's not us right there you know that's that's not us um no so no Kogo but we definitely we uh we had, I, you know, I, I'm forgetting the words, but a lot of these sweets that the Spartan have that are Baklava? very gooey. Yes, of course, of course, yes. We had a bunch of those types of things on the table, and it was, uh, it was a really great time. So, and they came, that, and they came, the, and you, and you, and you taught them the, the Torah that we're supposed to teach them. Yeah, it was, it was really, and you know, it was so nice at the end of it all when I left. They gave, they bought a talus, and they actually, they, they engraved my. Embroidered my name on it, my my full Hebrew name on my on this talus, which I'm not. I don't wear a talus till I get married. That's my custom. Uh, so I have you're holding on to it. I have it. I have it, and it's uh, when the right when the time is right. So so Hashem, or Inshallah, as we say. Um, so you, I mean, this is actually really interesting. You got to experience during your shlichus um, the the thrill of impacting someone one on one or one on a group there's like a real for people who have it there's a real energy that you get from teaching and you see right away like this is the the fruit net now you are in a space where you're impacting so many more people like hundreds of thousands of people you know when you when you pour energy into making a video and it, and it, and it runs and it goes and it, it you see in different media etc but you don't do you get to what is do you get to see the positive outcome the impact of what you're doing do you get to feel it is it different is it better is it worse yeah that's that's a really great question 100 percent. any rabbi any performer when you're in the room with some, you know and you see some a joke land or an insight you know really land with somebody it's like whoa and and it sort of fuels you and, and 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 everybody in the room feels it in this modern in this like yes social media type day it, it's a lot harder and why what feeds me and what keeps me going and what and what motivates me uh, to, to keep sharing, and I knowing that these, these messages are landing, is when people reach out and they message me, um, you know, any type of messenger or they comment. But usually it's the messages or the emails that come in that say how a specific video or a certain message landed with them, how it changed their life, how it saved their life, how it, it just gave them a new perspective or something made them happier. Um, they reached out to a, you know, a friend or a family member they haven't reached out to in a while. So it's those messages that, because you can, I can get lost in it, and um, and and you can forget that it's just like you're putting out to the universe, and like, like who's, what's the point, and you can lose a certain momentum. But once you uh, take the moment to really, and in the beginning, I actually didn't really appreciate that. I didn't appreciate that. I didn't appreciate the messages as often, as much as I did now. I just sort of was in this hamster wheel, just produce, 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 make, 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 and then it came to a point where I was like, wait a second, why am I losing energy? Why am I, you know, let, why do I feel like I'm getting burnt out? And it was because I lost. I, I just, I was just on the, just burning myself by just producing and not understanding and not seeing how, where, where it was going and what the people really want to hear. And when I took that moment to breathe and to settle in it, um, it really helped me shift and, and get a foundation and to really see like, wow, like the power of which, um, which social media, what, what these videos uh, have and what they, what they do, what they produce. 
So you, you don't just create videos. A lot of your videos are actually part of like a project. And like you had this idea, then you ran with which, um, you know, the, yeah. the high five video that was, it wasn't just a video. You had this project, like what, what would happen if I, so what can you share which project you're most proud of? It's a great. Question. Oh, wow. I, I, there's so many that I, I've, I've worked with. I know, but it's like you have to pick your favorite child. That's what I'm asking. I'm, well, I actually have one. I was leading up to it. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's, okay, I'll tell you right now. Um, there are a few, but I, of course, um, what I, this video and this project took me a bit further where I actually went about and created a nonprofit around it. And this is a video particularly around those people who are experiencing homelessness. Um, initially, I've, I've, I've always had a, a soft spot for people who are experiencing homelessness, growing, living in New York, um, and just it's right there in your face. It's so hard not to see uh, the, the aloneness, the isolation, the pain uh, in, in, in these people's eyes. So I eventually just had this idea to host a Super Bowl party for those who, who are experiencing homelessness. And I did that one year back in 2017, and then the following year, and then the following year. So this, this past year, 2020, it was our fourth year hold, hosting a Super Soul party. And, this and you had satellite parties too. It really turned into a movement. Yeah, so we built it up. So after the first couple of years, people were like, hey, wait a second, how did we get involved? I was like, oh, this is something way beyond just this party in New York. And so yes, for 2020, um, I hosted 20 Super Soul parties in 20 cities for 2020. And it was incredible. And this wasn't a Jewish, I mean, I'm Jewish. I mean, I started this nonprofit, but it was Jews and non-Jew alike. We all got together throughout the various um, cities uh, to host all the, all the food was kosher in every city, even though perhaps some places weren't just to, to make sure. And it was, it was an incredible biggest feat I ever did. Um, and it took months and months of preparations and fundraising. The first time I ever had to wear a fundraising hat. Uh, but it, fun, was, right? it, was, <laughs> it was, oh, so fun. It has the fundraising, right? Um, Put the fun and fundraising. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Never made um, that joke before. <laughs> yep. I, yeah, I'm actually this year, I'm, I really want to take it seriously. I got to go once things open up and I'm looking to go to like, you know, seminars, learn more about that, the art of, of the ask or, but that being said, it's, it was really, it was really incredible. We actually had a story in which in Oklahoma, a gentleman, one of the people experiencing homelessness ended up on TV. They're you know, interviewing him and just asking about the experience. And someone saw this interview, reached out to his son who has lost contact with him like for over five years. And they reconnected. And for the first time, he met his grandchildren. Uh, oh, that wow. all happened through that. Yeah, it all happened through that, uh, through that experience. So it, it's, 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 it is one night. We're looking to grow it and to have multiple nights. Uh, but the movement is, in, is, is it's rocking and rolling. And it's, it's amazing to see the ripple effect in which, in which, you know, when you just take time to, to see somebody else and to have a conversation with them and to let them know they're not alone, where that can go, where it can blossom to. So we're, we're, this episode is about social media and using social media as a force for good. Do you have uh, some you know, guidance, some piece of advice? Like not, not everyone's going to build up a, a following. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, but we can all use social media in a more constructive way. Yes. It's, it, I, I try not to always say in the same breath, like you don't have to go the full nine yards and give you know, someone a job or you know, if you don't have the budget, the time for it. I mean, the smallest of, of actions can't do. And especially now, to answer your question, is uh, right, especially now, now we're in quarantine and, and we're all looking for ways to connect. A, a very simple way, I think, and what's something that I just did last week was even to host a, a Zoom party. And, and it's so simple, everybody's home. First of all, it's, it's people a lot more accessible. So if there are people in your life or people that you look up to, mentors, authors, uh, creators, whatever they may look like, rabbis, you, they're, they're at home. You, know, you can really reach out to them and say, hey, can I have a few minutes of your time? Can I interview, this, answer this question? It, this is the time to do that. So there's no more excuses. Two, you can actually host a, a Zoom party. People are bored. People are lonely, isolated by themselves. I'm fortunate to be home with, with my siblings and that is, is great, but a lot of people are alone. And so what, what we did last week, for example, is we hosted a Zoom party. We actually, we went an extra mile. We delivered free pizza to them with our place and we gave pizza to anybody who was home alone and we delivered to 400 people. But then we invited everybody whether you're a home alone or not, to come to Zoom. And what did I do? I called some friends up. Hey, one's a comedian, one's a, one's a poet. Got a few people together and everybody had a chance. And we had like an hour of entertainment and people brought their kids and their family and the grandparents came and, and just gave them something to do. And they felt connected. The chat room was blowing up. People were chatting with each other. 
And so what I what I what I made you know planned was then your I love those moments. <laughs> Zoom, give it away. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I keep breaking eye contact and trying to. No, it's no problem. You, you no want to say hi? No. You want to? Yeah. Maybe say hi to all the people. <laughs> hey, what's going on? What's your name? You're in my ears. You can't hear you. Evie, oh, what's your name? Enough. Um, my name is Haziva. Yes, it is. Yes, and that's it is. Mayor Kay. And we're wrapping up. All right. Okay. Want to hang out right here? Is that okay? Okay. All right. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. you. Whispering in my ear. No. Just right there, right there. Okay. Really um, <laughs> and we're back. That's <laughs> great. Oh, it's so cute. That's very cute. It's the, uh, uh, everyone's experiencing like the quarantine in different ways. And, you know, I'm at that stage in my life where it's just, it's a zoo. Um, and it's like very grateful and also very spread thin. And it's I'm know, literally doing focusing this, on though, the parts like, I'm going to miss. You've got to find like, I don't know about in your house, but like even like doing this interview, it's like finding that moment in time where it's going to be quiet somewhat. And also like when no one's going to be walking into the rooms and just like, shh. Come on, no, there's right. no such yeah. thing here. There's no. Yeah. Well, you're doing a pretty good job. No, I listen. I I would be doing this in front of my farm. That's what I'm supposed to do. But I'm in my basement because that's like the farthest away. It's still not far enough. But it's um, <laughs> and and people think I don't like have any farm. What, what what's wrong with this guy? Okay. Well, you yeah. Well, you, you really invest in a green screen and just like you have that right there. I'm thinking just about it. Crazy. I'm thinking about it. So. Yeah, so I, I was just wrapping up on the idea of just like you just call a couple of friends together and you could host and invite friends and get the word out and you could a, bring some physics, some connection to that. I feel like at the same time, staying, you know, if you even touch on it, uh, physical health is so important. Mental health, it's all really connected. Um, one body, one mind, one soul. And I think taking on a project even as simple as um, your own mental health or I took on Whole30, for example, right? Because like one of the biggest things that was I saw taking effect on myself was that it was my eating habits. And so taking and making it into a contest, me and my most of 60% of the household here are doing all three together. So it's fun. We're sharing recipes. We're cooking. Um, we're motivating each other to go through those tough days. Like, you know, second week with sugar withdrawal, it's not fun. You don't want to talk to anybody. It's like, you know, I want to choke you by the next week. So it's, right. it's, a lot it's actually, easier. it's helpful if you uh, pick up cigarettes that actually helps even out the, um, the sugar withdrawal. See, <laughs> that's it. I don't know what we're promoting, but no, I don't smoke either. Did I mention we are being we're being sponsored by? Cool, <laughs> <laughs> e, e sick. Um, yeah, exactly. We're not. We're was, not. We're anti. Yes, absolutely. I was Alfred once talking about promotion influencer. I was out an e sick company, pretty big one, asked me if I wanted to. Wow, that's when you know you made it. Yeah, right. I was like, this is come on, like this is the one, like this is the. the Come on, give me like huggies or something. Something that's lovable. People love huggies. So long story short, I think it's really about- Now's the time to the, take on like ambitious it, projects uh, using, yeah, using be, these platforms. Exactly. You don't have to go and, and, and literally invest in anything. You have Zoom right here. People are home. Connect with them through, through what, we ha what you have with the tools at home. And at the same time, um, I would say invest in, and take some of this crazy time to, to work on that creative project you had. Whether it's a podcast, whether it's writing, whether it's, I don't know, cleaning the house. It, it, it could really be anything. Taking on, a, you know, Masakta uh, for those, you know, OU listeners. Um, Pick up Dafiomi finally. There you go. I feel uh, like people are posting about Dafiomi a lot less than they did back in January. It must be, maybe just me. But I don't know. Well, I, I, had, a, I had a theory that uh, COVID was going to hurt Dafiomi considerably because I think Dafiomi really benefits from commuting. But yeah. uh, I think for a lot of people. Okay, Nunu. Mayor, where can people find you? They can find me in their hearts. For their, no, I, uh, so if they, on social media, uh, Mayor K, M-E-I-R-K-A-Y, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, if they like as well, the, um, <laughs> the Great Day Podcast. Uh, wherever podcast, The Great Day. I'm Mayor K, have a great day. The Great Day Podcast. Um, wherever podcasts are found on Apple, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Spotify, wherever. Be sure to subscribe every week. Mondays, we I drop a new uh, podcast. A little mayor so, in your um, day. A little K in your day. A little, little, yeah. If you're having, if yeah, exactly. If you want a great day, listen to Mayor K. Um, and stay tuned. Last but not least, I am actually excited. I don't know when is this uh, launching, but uh, God willing, within the next uh, week or two, I'm also, next week, we'll be uh, sharing a new video 
uh, around isolation, COVID, but with a positive, hopeful twist. Uh, I'm really excited about this. It's my take on the spoken word. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Like a little slam poetry. You heard it, you heard it here first, people. I'm very excited. Indeed. Yes. Mayor, thanks for covering at the time. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Asalaamu everybody. Stay safe. All the best. Have a great one. Wow, that was really powerful and, and a, lot of, a lot to digest, a lot of uh, real takeaways for us in terms of things that we can uh, actually be doing and working on. I really love that a lot. Um, I'd like to introduce our next guest, Arsene Ostrovsky. He's an international human rights lawyer who has really built a brand around defending Israel online, attacking BDS, um, and doing good for all of us and, and for the state of Israel. Arsene Ostrovsky, welcome. Welcome to OU Live. Thank you for having me. Arsene is an international human rights lawyer, uh, a proud Israeli, used to be an Australian, I guess, uh, Israeli-Australian, Australian-Israeli? Israeli. Israeli. Um, you, uh, but you also, on top of your, your lawyerness, you, you were awarded the Boney Tzion Award uh, by uh, uh, Nefesh Benefesh in the Knesset on the occasion of Israel's 70th birthday. Um, for your efforts in representing Israel on the international stage, which is uh, quite the accomplishment for being in Israel, you know, just a couple of years. It is, you know, it was a certainly, uh, I mean, it was an ex something, you know, quite extraordinary uh, and proud moment um, to have been awarded that on Israel's 70th is something extra special, but to have been able to actually go up on stage as I did holding up my daughter, um, which who was you know she was less than two years all the time. Fully Israeli daughter, Agav. My the, the first sabra in the family was something incredibly special and familiar. When you talk about Zionism, what is Zionism? And you know here I am, Meir Aliyah, I you know my holding my sabra daughter in the Knesset, the Parliament of the Jewish uh, nation, uh, going up you know on stage to receive this award. So certainly a very uh, uh, very powerful and very um, you know very special experience. So I, I, I know you from your Twitter presence and you pop up in my feed and you have, uh, you have some sharp takes um, every now and then, but that's not what you actually, <laughs> maybe it is what you do for a living, but that's not what you do. You're, you're a human rights lawyer. You know, I, um, every now and then people will, um, so I just probably spend an inordinate amount of time on, on Twitter and every now and then when I'm out in the streets or going somewhere, people will actually or have actually stopped me and say, listen, you don't know me. I haven't met in person, but I follow you on Twitter. And like my wife's been there at the time as well. So it's actually quite amusing. My first thought is always, you know, I hope it's not a stalker. Uh, <laughs> never, never has been. But the second thought is always, damn, what was the last thing that I posted? I hope, you know, I hope it was something less <laughs> respectful. So what does this guy think? <laughs> Good thing, bad thing. Yeah. So it's probably something either about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or, I don't know, or about food in Israel. So... Uh, my two big loves. So uh, social media as a, as, you know, uh, as a platform, as a contract, has only been around for a little bit. You started out as a lawyer, as, an, uh, as a human rights lawyer. And could you tell me about your work as a lawyer and how that transitioned into a social media presence? Yeah, look, I mean, I started off, I mean, actually, I started off as a corporate litigation attorney in insurance, of, uh, of all things. Uh, so it's certainly a long way away from uh, you know, being an international human rights lawyer. Um, but, you know, pulling yourself out of out of uh, the seventh <laughs> circle of hell, something like that. Uh, but you know, for me, it was you know, for me, my my personal Zionist journey and sort of coming to Israel. It's something that you know took time and uh, to get to where where I am today. Um, but no, look, it's at the end of the day, you know, sort of what motivates me, what moves me, is my Zionism, is my um, love not only for the land of Israel but for the the nation and for the people of Israel. And when I see, you know, when I see the Jewish state being uh, singled out, being delegitimized, uh, being attacked in um, international arenas, you know, for me, you know, I, it's not something that I can just sit back and be idle and do nothing. I need to uh, speak out and uh, act out. Um, you know, for me, it's sort of, you, we go back to, you know, like this period just a few weeks ago where Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron, and, and Yom HaTzmud, you know, these three big, big days. And, you know, it ends for me, Yom HaTzmud, always with a realization that there was a time when we didn't have a state or a voice. And we have a, not only state, 
but we have a voice and an army and sovereignty again. And therefore, you know, we have not only, a, not only the, I think not only the, the right, but also the obligation and duty to speak out and uh, to support Israel and support not just Israel, but Jewish communities around the world. Um, so for me, you know, human rights is a very broad concept uh, because what I see is that, you know, Israel as a Jew amongst the nations, as Erwin Kotler, former uh, Canadian, you know, human rights attorney said, um, you know, as the Jewish nation, we are singled out for you know disproportionate uh, treatment and that's something for me you know it's it's not just an obligation i feel but a privilege to to stand up for a lot of us social media feels like we're screaming into the void um on a bad day and on a good day we're screaming into an echo chamber so you know <laughs> i personally have gone through waves where like i got a I'm not touching Facebook anymore. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is not constructive. Do you, have, do you have case studies? Do you have experiences where you've seen that your presence online actually does effectuate good things in the world? Tangible good things? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, you know, not, not, not every case you're going to necessarily move, uh, move mountains. Uh, you know, there are always people either the far left, far right, doesn't matter what you say. Um, Israel is either the devil or Israel can do no wrong. Um, it really, you know, it depends on whom, whom you're trying to reach, uh, reach out to. Um, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, you know what, I appreciate you know, you saying that, um, standing up for Israel because it's something that, you know, that we can do, you know, we can't, we don't have that following or we can't speak out, uh, respond to whomever it might be, whether it could be some kind of embassy or a diplomatic official or a BDS activist, um, or they might, or they've said that, you know, we appreciate having that, you know, that particular insight. Uh, the one example I can, uh, you know, give um, in this case is, um, um, there was uh, about two years ago, um, a celebrity, American celebrity, I'm not going to mention which one, uh, but she has a very large following. And when you're looking sort of celebrities online, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an important and growing issue because celebrities are often treated like gods in their own right. And what they say is uh, like gospel, so, so to speak. Heaven forbid they'd be challenged. And they, you know, they might have nothing to do with Israel, but all of a sudden they mention Israel and they have like 10 million followers and, you know, something blows up. Um, so the examples that I had in mind was a couple of years ago, one of the celebrities, um, uh, she tweeted about, uh, uh, Had Tamimi, uh, uh, who Tamimi was a teenage Palestinian girl, but she became quite notorious for uh, these, you know, uh, pre-planned sort of stunts trying to provoke Israeli soldiers. Soldiers. Uh, yeah. She just popped in there and the camera was right there. And also she was, uh, she's blonde, right? So she... She, you know, she looks like or redhead, so she, she, she's lighter. It was good. Her sister was uh, responsible for the sparrow bombing, right? Uh, I believe it's a it's a cousin, but cousin. the the family has a long and very undistinguished uh, history. Put it that way. Anyway, so the celebrity she uh, tweeted something uh, like I think it was a picture from Amnesty International. Again, not another sort of not another great friend of uh, the Jewish people with a post of free Achitanini. Um, so, you know, you, you can do one of three things. You can ignore it because you think it's not going to make a difference. You can uh, respond to them in an aggressive manner and uh, launch into an argument, which I've done before. And it, it depends on, again, on who, who it is. You know, I've done that, for example, the likes of Ilan Omar or uh, Jeremy Corbyn, because I also understand that there's going to be no movement on them. But with her, I decided sort of as a, my own sort of pilot, um, case study is to try and sort of take the more reasoned approach to engage her on a more um, on a very sort of civil level and it's try to sort of engage in a conversation sort of explain to her well look this girl is not some kind of saint and um, you know this is what she's done x y and z this is why it's problematic and we had this conversation going back and forth now i'm not when i'm engaging people online i'm not necessarily targeting them i'm also having in mind the people that follow them Sure. Uh, because they are the ones that might be receptive to influence or reason or discussion or sort of moving the thread. So to cut a longer story short, you know, after, you know, I engaged with a celebrity back, back and forth for a little bit, I didn't change her mind completely. You know, she was sort of responding back, but X, Y, and Z. 
But we had, the, we had this discussion, which is far more, for me, was far more meaningful and telling. So what had happened then about a week or so after that, there was a terror attack in Israel. And there was a famous uh, picture, you might remember, but um, could have been in any number of sort of wars or conflicts here, of a number of children crowding on a bus, which there was a Tzeva Dom, there was a Red Siren, and you see the kids crowding on a bus. And so the celebrity then uh, retweeted this particular picture following on from my discussion with her after Achetimim is saying, but now there's, you should, some to the words of you know now you should sort of see also the other perspective okay so from my point of view you know i maybe didn't change her view 180 degrees and i, I didn't want to um but what sort of the did show to me is that by engaging with people also online and by trying to have a discussion you can sort of you know move the needle a little bit might not go from you know one side to the other completely but they're showing more empathy, more understanding. Um, so for me, that was a very powerful lesson of having a very tangible influence as well. You have a way of knowing, like you said, like the difference between option two and three. Sometimes the goal is to engage and to change people's minds. Sometimes the goal is you, you're not going to change their mind, but everyone else watching um, will hear something and either they'll reaffirm their position or you'll change someone else's mind. You, how, how do you tell between option two and three? How do you know? You, have a rule, you maybe don't have a rule of thumb. I don't know. The internet's a uh, wild, wild west here. Um, look, uh, there's no, it's hard to, how to quantify. And it depends on, you know, it depends on who it is, for example, on who you're uh, trying to, uh, you know, who you're, who you're engaging with. Um, someone like, uh, say, Jeremy Corbyn or Ilan Omar, Rashid Tlaib, you know, I've, I've engaged them, but, there haven't been any of these sorts of niceties because, you know, I've, I felt that, you know, this celebrity, I gave her the benefit of the doubt and that worked with uh, some of these individuals, you know, it doesn't matter what you say to them. They're fully entrenched. Uh, they're, they're fully, fully entrenched. So I can take, for example, a more aggressive uh, stance with someone like Omar, knowing also that doing so might have more influence, more impact, because more people will also see that um, and understand it. So when, you know, she, for example, comments or writes a post when we just had Holocaust Remembrance Day, you know, I managed to, you know, I responded to that, that's, you know, saying something to the effect that, you know, she's taking, you know, the six million Jews that were murdered, their names in vain, given that all her actions and uh, steps that she's uh, taken uh, thus far in her antagonism towards the, the Jewish community. So something like that, you know, it had a certainly when I looked at the metrics after that in terms of number of people responding to that or retweeting it or liking it or engaging with that, you can see, um, um, you can see the difference. Uh, the biggest impact probably that I've seen uh, at the moment or thus far is about a month or two ago when uh, President Trump released his much-awaited uh, peace plan. Deal. Um, deal, um, so which you know, we'll see how we'll see how that's moving and moving ahead. But um, and what I, you know, what I found was, you know, all of a sudden, all these nations were showing their support behind the plan increasingly, including countries from Arab and Gulf Gulf states, not necessarily, you know, waving the Israeli flag, but at least showing support, which was in itself a massive, massive um, development uh, on a geostrategic level. And so, you know, when I posted that, um, it ended up getting a lot of traction because, you know, A, it was something that was quick, uh, B, it was something that was visual. I had, uh, you know, all the different countries and their, uh, their flags and C, it was something very topical. But then, uh, then I ended up uh, having this post retweeted by none other than Ivanka Trump, for example. And that went, obviously, as you can imagine, um, uh, something that went uh, through the roof. So to answer your question, it, you know, it really it depends on uh, what you're trying to achieve. Are you trying to make a point? Are you trying to uh, um, influence someone's uh, position or their reasoning? Are you just trying to get noticed? Uh, who your target audience is, and importantly as well, you know, who you're trying to uh, respond to. What uh, you know, what their position is. Uh, will they engage? Uh, will they respond? Um, so there's a lot of a lot of uh, moving pieces that go into that. A lot of variables and, um, you know, several right answers. So minor pivot, people watching at home, 
some people actually watching this program have their own social media accounts, believe mm. it or not, but they mostly use them to post pictures of their cats, um, perhaps a nephew's graduation, actually now in the time of Corona, like a Zoom graduation perhaps. Um, but, but now they're very inspired because they love Israel or because they have a, a cause celeb. Um, do you have tips for um, the normal folk? Uh, perhaps there are a couple of uh, insurance lawyers out there who <laughs> aspire to use. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, there's nothing wrong with posting an occasional picture of, uh, of a cat. Uh, oh, I'm not, I'm not generating. Uh, uh, there's some I, great I post, cat pictures out there. I post pictures of my dog, actually, for, for a bit. Um, but, you know, in all seriousness, you know, even though a large part of my advocacy is on Israel, you know, I do this, you know, even though I wear many hats, um, as you mentioned, but um, I also, you know, I'm also a human being. And when we talk about Israel advocacy, it's not just the conflict with the Palestinians. It's also, you know, I look at Israel through a much broader prism from, you know, cultural, innovation, uh, food, um, you know, all that sort of forms, uh, forms that. But again, you know, I'm also a person, so I'm not writing just on Israel, you know, yes, I will throw in pictures of, say, my family occasionally, or my dog, or Israeli breakfast, because let's face it, everyone, everyone loves that. But, but I'm doing that as, a, as, a, you know, as an individual also, and it's imperative that, you know, you, you're seen as not just not a robot, but something that's authentic. And that's sort of something that's very important to me. Um, look, in terms of some, you know, some basic advice, it's... Um, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot of effort to uh, to be active uh, online uh, to uh, to advocate for Israel. You know, not everyone can go lobby their member of Congress or write an opinion piece, but anyone can. Uh, you know, tweet. You know, it takes about the same time as it takes to tie a shoelace to to send a tweet. Um, so everyone can be active online, and that's you know very simple um, way in, in many ways. Um, and something that's, you know, we're fighting multiple and so many battlefronts, uh, you know, we've got soldiers, lawyers, you name it, but also fighting online. Um, what I would suggest is, you know, uh, one is um, we have to tell stories. I think that's, uh, we need to focus on storytelling. Uh, we, can't, we can't post simply for posting's sake. You know, when you talk about the case of people posting, uh, you know, their cats or whatever, um, you know, unless you're Kim Kardashian, that's not exactly going to get you any, any traction. So we can't post she just... Can pull it off. <laughs> she can pull it off. But, you know, we can't post simply for posting, for posting's sake. You know, we have to have a compelling story. And we're trying to show that Israel is democracy. And if that's what, if that's what we're trying to do, then, you know, uh, what, are we, what are we posting? We're posting, you know, faces of different... Um, ethnicities of people from different denominations and faiths and backgrounds. Um, are we trying to get a point across that uh, there's uh, Palestinians are engaging in incitement? If so, how are they doing it? Uh, what are they doing? In what manner? Um, so we need to tell, we need to be far better at storytelling. I think that's, that's one. So think what you're trying to post and what is your goal um, in doing so. So that's one. Um, it's absolutely critical, and I can't sort of stress that, you know, anymore, that we need to engage. Um, we can't just post, and that's it. Uh, we cannot be just an information depository. You know, we're, we're not a new, you're not a newspaper site. We just regurgitate the article. So we need to engage, meaning that we need to seek out people uh, to engage. We need to seek out influences. We need to also respond to people. If you post something and someone... Uh, response to you saying you know, that you're right or you're wrong or X, Y, and Z, um, you know, you have to make an assessment, you know, should I engage with them and respond to them? And often, you know, it's in your benefit to, you know, to do that and to have these discussions, going back to the examples that I try to show that I had with this celebrity, but that by having this discussion, you know, and then, you know, we'll manage sort of to move the, the needle on, on the point that we're trying, trying to get across. Uh, but it's important when, you know, you're engaging uh, I think something you mentioned before to also go outside the echo chamber. You know, we can't just preach to the choir, so to speak. Um, we, we we need to occasion as well, but we need to also go beyond that and to try and uh, you know reach out to those that might not necessarily agree with us and try and change their views and their opinions. Um, the last point I'd make, I mean, I could do this all day, uh, but simple one: use visuals. 
use visuals. Um, storytelling. Again, so that sort of goes back to storytelling. You know, say on Twitter, for example, you have 280 characters. That does not mean you have to use every single one of those yeah. characters. And something that our detractors are very good at is they're very good at creating emotional uh, connections. Uh, so by posting pictures, by posting images, stories, videos, graphics, I think that's crucial. I'll give you what, one quick example. You know, when we had the, remember over the last few years, we had uh, these violent riots on the, on, the bo- on the border with Gaza. And so many in the international community, in the media, diplomatic fields were saying, no, but they're, they're peaceful protesters. You know, it's Mahatma Gandhi running, running towards us, Mother Teresa. We know that wasn't a fact. So I could say that, that's one thing, but we had this treasure chest of evidence before us. So images of, uh, you know, Hamas uh, terrorists on the fence throwing uh, LEDs or bombs or trying to cut through with machetes through fences or throw boulders. By, you know, using these images and visuals and videos, I think it allows people to connect on an emotional level. So facts and figures are good, they're important, but they're not enough on their own. We need to also use visuals and to create a sense of uh, empathy. Last, we can't, we can't uh, end off, unfortunately, on this program without talking about corona- <laughs> the coronavirus. I see that you're in your office. That's nice. You're back there. Yeah, that's nice. They're slowly uh, reopening, reopening the country, which, which is nice. I'm still in my uh, apocalyptic bomb shelter. Uh, that's actually, I realize that's not funny because it's not a bomb shelter. I'm talking to an Israeli. Um, it's just a basement. <laughs> um, how, <laughs> have you seen coronavirus, how the, the whole Matzav impacting uh, your social media experience, Israel, any of that? Thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, um, um, you know, in, in some ways, in some ways, you know, the anti-Semites and these old detractors, they haven't gone away. Just because there's a coronavirus, they, they haven't gone away. Um, they've changed their strategy. Um, you know, we've seen, for example, Israel Apartheid Week's uh, events on campus. So Israel Apartheid events on campuses, they've been cancelled. Uh, gatherings like that, they've been cancelled. Uh, we understand that. So in the same way as we are confined to our homes and our computers and our Zoom meetings, in many ways, so are they. So on the one hand, what we're seeing is this. They're doing Zoom chats like this. <laughs> they're doing Zoom chats. They're doing, they're, they're doing Zoom bombing, if you've heard of that. What, uh, yes. That, yeah, yeah. We had to add a password be, to the Zoom room. That became, uh, that became an issue, for example, on that in... Um, uh, for Yom just uh, a week or so ago, the Israel's embassy in Berlin was holding a Yom HaShoah session online and the number of anti-Semite Zoom bombers, so to speak, accosted them online and started posting and shouting all this uh, obscene material. Um, so we've seen that, you know, the anti-Semites and Israel detractors, they've also gone online. And the number of conspiracy theories, the number of, uh, you know, anti-Semitic plots and so on and attacks on, you know, Israel's causing this, the Jews are, uh, it's a Jewish virus and so on. The Mossad created this. There's been a massive, massive spike in terms of uh, online anti-Semitism, um, including from the Palestinians uh, in many ways. At the same time, when Israel's actually working with the Palestinian uh, people on the ground in terms of providing them um, humanitarian aid and and testing it even the united nations which i can count on the one hand number of times they've actually applauded us has actually applauded us here for the efforts that uh, israel is taking so we've certainly seen a a big spike in anti-semitism online so you know that same time is sort of you know you you have to reformat recalibrate your own strategy what do you do as an Israel advocate in the time of Corona? So on the one hand, we need to respond to these attacks and mistruths and lies and conspiracy theories. But on the other hand, again, because we are also confined to our computers, it's not a bad thing necessarily because, you know, uh, you know for me also, in talking about Israel advocacy, you know, one of the, my concerns has been that for so long that we have also, we've been far too reactive. So being confined to the computer, computers uh, and on all these online platforms now, it also gives us an opportunity to be far more proactive, to be out there and 
showing the real picture of Israel, the fact that, yes, we are working on the Palestinians. Yes, we are creating these uh, vaccine breakthroughs or look at, you know, the amazing Israeli innovation technology in Africa and so on, or uh, incredible, you know, tech breakthroughs, Intel, you name it. Um, so it gives us an opportunity to also think outside the box and to be more proactive. So for a long time now, you know, I think Israel advocacy has been going digital. Um, and it's been a very much a central battlefield, especially amongst, uh, amongst the influencers, uh, which is a critical group, and also the younger generations and the millennials who are, you know, they're getting their news, not from necessarily from New York Times or CNN or BBC, but they're going online. They're getting it from Twitter. They're getting it from Facebook. They're getting it from what, what their friends are posting. And I think in the days of post-corona, uh, that's only going to be uh, far more important and it's going to be far more, uh, uh, far more relevant to how we, you know, how we advocate and support and stand up for Israel. That's the truth. Uh, we, we definitely decentralized the, the media engine. Arsen, people want to find you online. Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me probably the best way on Twitter, Ostrov underscore A. Um, I hope to engage with you there. In the meantime, thank you so much for cutting out the time. Thank you. And, you know, thank you for everything that uh, you guys do in standing up for Israel and, uh, and the Jewish community. It's, uh, you know, we, we feel it here from Israel and that's, that's important. So from all of us to Baba, thank you. Uh, I hope to join you there soon. Thank you. Wow, so a lot of takeaways for us, um, for you know, those of you who are watching who have social media accounts, you know, the two of you. Uh, everything in this world is value neutral until it comes into the hands of a person. Fire can be used to build or destroy. Knives can be used to build or destroy. Even um, pillows sound really nice, can be used to build or destroy. And same thing goes for your social media. So uh, I actually want to kick something off. Um, this week, I want to start a thing that made me smile. This, uh, this I'm about to share with you is a tweet I saw a couple days ago. The man on the left is my son's Rebbe, Skver Muncy. He just showed up in front of our house to teach my son the letter of the week. Saw this video. Check it out. If that isn't an example of uh, ways to use social media, that this person is using social media to promote a really uh, deserving teacher and a wonderful idea, and I don't know what it is. Um, send us your ideas. If you did something, if you got something out of the show, if you're taking up Mayor's advice or Arson's advice on, uh, on, on tips and takesaways, if you're setting up a uh, Zoom party for your friends, people you haven't seen in a long time, people you don't know, um, let us know at ou.live at ou.org. Um, we'd like to feature you. We'd like to have you on um, and talk about what you're doing. So be in touch and subscribe to the podcast. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'll see you soon.